ugly toads, attractive videos. It's all this week on the podcast. Coming to you from the fourth floor of the Balboa Building in sunny Santa Barbara, California. It's the Depression Dome. <laughs> what? Sorry. Depression it's the Discussion Dome. Yeah. I'm, I'm Jai Runganathan, PhD. And I'm Kristen Weiss, PhD, and lover of animal odd couple videos. So, again, welcome to the Discussion Dome, Depression Dome, Dis- Discipline Dome, so many domes. <laughs> this is, as you probably guessed by now, a science podcast. But it's not just like any science podcast. You know, there are lots of science podcasts which are incredibly informative. This is going to be the least <laughs> informative podcast you're ever going to find. By design. And that's our promise to you. If you learn anything, it's entirely by mistake. Can we explain to our hypothetical listeners why we are calling this the Discussion Dome? Or the Discipline Dome. It's true. Mm-hmm. And this is episode one, so we don't have any listeners yet. Although there is a dog in the tent. True. Oh, I, I, I spoiled the reveal. We're in the tent. Yes, describe why is this the dome? Well, so there's... A very interesting process behind this. So we are both science communicators, and by default, that means we don't have a lot of money to spend. So we wanted to come up with a way that we could create podcasts for little to no money. And so Jai had a great idea, which was... Let's use my three-man tent. Exactly. So, yes, we are in a tent covered by layers of blankets right now in my office. And originally, you know, we're trying to come up with a good name for a podcast. And our first thought was Tent Talk. It made sense. It sounded like TED Talk, but in a tent. It had alliteration. It had everything. But we went to check and see if there was anything else called Tent Talk. There are so many Tent Talks out there. So many. But you know what? There's no discussion domes out there. So here we are in a discussion dome. You know, this podcast may be our last Thing you hear of us in our lives because a key thing you need to know about the discussion, the discussion dome is we're in a three-man tent in an office and this tent is covered by several layers of blankets and there's a very warm light in here this may be the last thing that that we have ever produced in our lives as we pass out but i'm okay with that this might be the best thing i've ever done which doesn't speak to what i've done before but i'm okay with that two people may enter one or fewer <laughs> may come out hopefully the dog survives Buttercup can probably survive anything. Buttercup being your dog. That's true. So this episode, we're talking about YouTube. What do you watch on YouTube? Are you asking me what I watch on YouTube, Jay? I am asking you that. I have to say the thing that I watch more than anything else on YouTube or any social media are videos about animals and usually animals that have been rescued from some terrible death and have found some new amazing life and usually are living with some other animals of different species and their best friends. And it just makes me feel like there's hope in the world and distracts me from everything else that's depressing. Well, well, good thing you're in the depression dome so we can talk about that. But, you know, but when you watch YouTube videos, YouTube recommends other videos for you to watch. And what comes up for your recommendations? That's true. It's a slippery slope and kind of a black hole. And You know, here's my problem with YouTube. You watch a video and then YouTube recommends another video. But I don't know if I want to watch the whole video. Is it interesting? I don't have time to watch all these YouTube videos. Well, I do have time to watch all the YouTube videos. (laughs) But, you know, like I'm a lazy man. 
just get me to the interesting part of the video. If it's interesting at all, you know, that's what I've been looking for in videos all this time. Do you have this problem? You're like, just get me to the exciting part of the video. I don't have to wade through. I'm a busy man. I've like, I have like so much sleeping to do and like eating to do. I don't have time to watch all the way through the video. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting thought. I, I think that I'd be a little wary of something trying to tell me what part of the video is most interesting to me. Sometimes I, I kind of like the buildup and that's what, you know, gives you that payoff at the end. So I'm not sure. I mean, what do you think? Is is it even possible for us to go that way? Well, I have to say, you if you're wary of that, you are going to be very wary of Professor Zhang Wang and company because they have a paper out this year, just a month ago, hot off the press, information Processing and Management is the Journal. And the title is Discovering Attractive Segments in the User-Generated Video Streams. Now, that may seem that we're trying to discover videos which have models in them. And that is a useful thing to do, no doubt. But they are proposing that maybe we can use technology, we can use a computer to tell us what's interesting. So we don't have to go search for all these videos ourselves. A computer can tell us this is interesting. Go right there. Okay, okay, that's that's interesting. I'm a little skeptical. Tell me more. I think they line up really well. So this is like from the, from the paper itself. Mm-hmm. So for instance, in a pet video, many viewers would like to see a cute and lovely pet, such as the pets begging the host for food. These scenes will trigger audiences loving and kind emotions, attracting more audiences to enjoy them. In contrast, some pit videos record the frightful dogs or ugly toads. These scenes may <laughs> make trigger their scare or disgust, which will be less attractive to the public. If we can only predict the type of leading leading emotions when faced with a video, we can consequently guide the video to producers to make more attractive videos and rate this video. So, wow. you know, it's a noble goal. There's a lot of assumptions in that one part of that paper. But doesn't it make sense, though? I mean, wouldn't we want... I mean, who doesn't want more attractiveness in this world and in our videos? And they are saying we can use a computer, AI, to do this. And, you know, as we all know from the news these days, AI, it never goes wrong. There's no <laughs> <Yeah>. downsides. <laughs> what a valid point. But how do, you, how do you define what's attractive, what's cute, what someone wants to see... You know, at all. What if a lot of people want to see the horror and the things that are scary? Well, you know what? The crowd is going to tell you. We're going to let the the computer is going to see what the crowd finds interesting. And then it's going to then decide based on what the crowd wants, what you want more of. Doesn't that sound great? Mm, sounds a little big brothery, but, you know. So how would it even work? How how would, say, YouTube even know what you like most in a video and be able to tell you ahead of time. The first thing is they don't use YouTube at all. They used a video site in China, which is super popular there, where they allow you to put text comments in the video itself, like time sync, like SoundCloud does that now. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if you like a song, you know, you put that in that song, awesome track, or like at the moment, man, epic at the moment you found it to be epic okay it's like when you maybe do facebook live and you can actually see when someone's commenting or liking exactly and so on this chinese video site you can actually put comments in the video time sync to that point in the video so what these guys did they grabbed a ton of videos and the ton of the text and tons of text associated with videos and they put this into this giant algorithm involving tons of math now you know me Mm -hmm. I mean, above above all else, 
I know math. I mean, <laughs> I can. I mean, I didn't mean to brag, but like I can count to twenty without seeing my fingers and toes. I mean, that's my level of math right there. That seems to be the number of pages of equations in this paper as I'm looking at it. <laughs> that's true. That's true. And so using my advanced mathematics techniques, I could clearly understand all of the math. But what was very clear is they had an advanced algorithm to, to both look at the video and look at the comments associated with the video and sort of first identify which are the attractive segments here based on comments when people are commenting. And also, what kind of emotion does it bring up? Does it make people angry or happy? Because there's one thing to say people are excited by it, but maybe they're excited by it because they're angry or they're sad. And if you're an advertiser, you know, you want to manipulate emotions. I mean, who doesn't? I love manipulating emotions. And so, but you want to manipulate them the right way. So you want to you want to make sure you're getting the right manipulation across. So they're not just trying to figure out mm -hmm. what's attractive or what's popular, but why is it popular? Why is it being up an emotional mm -hmm. response? So they built up this huge, this very complex algorithm, both mm -hmm. looking at the video and the text, and they boiled it down to an algorithm that doesn't work very well. So <laughs> oh, talk about a buildup! I know <laughs> it's got less than a chance of it's like less than <sighs> one in three. Of they had a couple of models, less of a one in three chance of either really figuring out which was the attractive segments or what made it attractive. Yeah. But what I love about it is that they talk about what um, what are the emotions they're pulling up. And I'm going to pull up that piece here. So mm -hmm. here's the paper flipping me looking through the weight of science right here. So they kind of identified five emotions. So let's take the emotion sad. That's an emotion. A lot of people feel sad. What words would you associate with being sad? Oh, gosh. Uh, crying. Um... <laughs> You're not supposed to be asking me questions, man. Um, <laughs> well, you know, that actually... Sad. So what would I say if I was sad? I'd say, this is depressing. This, I don't know. Well, that kind of works out great because that's actually... You know, they had it dead on the nose because <laughs> their tag words for sad were wordless, a.k.a. you, right now. And uh, I got it right! <laughs> And doubt, doubt can be sad. Ah, so that's pretty nuanced. So they had some kind of some strange tag words yeah. associated with, with each mm -hmm. emotion. But sadly, for both identifying what is going to be attractive, popular, and what's a feeling associated with it, it really kind of it was like less than one in three, based mm -hmm. despite like a whole number of different sort of slight variants in the algorithm they had. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's almost inherently flawed. Like, how do you define attractiveness to start? And then even if you could, what do you hope to do with that? I mean, how could that lead to, you know, how's that going to help humanity? What What's their end goal with this? Wait a minute. Our light just got brighter in here. Whoa. I should say the heat is increasing in this tent. I mean, <laughs> global warming is real. I can feel it in this tent. It's 150 degrees. Kristen, I think you can, you can agree with me that I am maybe uh, 10 minutes away from heat death right now. Yeah, I mean, we're really uh, running our time down right now. I think <laughs> we're sweating out toxins as we talk science. Exactly. It's, yeah, it's really heated in here, guys. You know, but they they, they actually, they make a good point in the paper because, because you know, if, if someone is saying, ha, 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 are they saying the video is ha, ha, ha? Mm -hmm. Or are they saying another comment is ha, ha, ha? Mm -hmm. and, and and is ha, ha, ha mean they're laughing? Or does it mean they're screaming because of their the the strangeness of the world? And ha, ha, is just a way for them to get around it. It's very hard to get from text. Yeah, I mean, I guess what this paper says to me is that 
this kind of technology is still like in the infant stage you know it's like virtual reality we really want it to be awesome and great but it's just such early stages that it's it's not there yet you know but there is a second part to the paper there is like a key thing to this paper which i think we can both agree is true and it's kind of one of the first things they talked about Mm -hmm. kind of a foundational part to the paper clearly very accurate (laughs) which is that you know some pit videos record the frightful dogs or ugly toads which triggers scare or disgust. And that's a true statement because who wants to see the ugly toads? You know, I'm really sorry to break it to you, Jai, but I've got some evidence that will fly straight in your face to prove that wrong. That seems unlikely, but continue. (laughs) Well, in the good nature of science, I brought my own paper to the dome today. What? You did? I I sure did. I didn't see it until now. Amazing. I know you had no idea that I had this paper in my back pocket. No idea at all. So get this. It's called... Why have a pet amphibian? Insights from YouTube. And this is by Mizi et al. from last year, 2019. And, and what journal was this in? This is Frontiers in Ecology and Evolution, folks. So this is a legit peer-reviewed paper talking about, you know, how you figure out why people like amphibians as pets. You know, I'm looking through this paper now, and I, the first line of the introduction pops out to me, and boy... It's it's a doozy. Few would deny that amphibians are ex- fascinating animals. I mm-hmm. think Zeng Wang from the previous paper would deny that. Yeah, I mean, I think there's some real heated scientific debate that could go on between these authors. Um, I, I'd say I'm partial to this paper mainly because they quote Aristotle even in the second sentence. So you really can't refute Aristotle. No, um, irrefutable. But, you know, what this says to me is that Again, how you define attractiveness or what people like is really a lot more difficult than it might seem. And science, you know, can maybe chip away at that question, but it's really hard to really figure that out. Well, what did what did these guys have to say? So this group of authors uh, were pretty dedicated to this question. So they basically wanted to figure out if they could tell by watching YouTube videos why people owned amphibians by watching videos of amphibian owners and seeing what they did with the animals on the video, you know, what they were showcasing, what species were on these videos, etc. And they reviewed over a thousand YouTube videos of amphibians. So they watched over a thousand videos. How do you even find a thousand amphibian videos? How do you find one amphibian video? Great question. So, you know, just like any of us who are trying to find a certain thing to satisfy an itch, uh, they used key terms. So the key terms they used, you know, they did kind of an iterative search. And um, I guess I'm no expert in key terms on amphibians, but I, it's it's pretty interesting. They came up with like my froggy pet. Uh, That's a good one. I love that one. My pet frog, my pet amphibian. uh, My froggy pet. I love it. Yeah. I mean, that that came up with a lot of hits, apparently. Um, But they used some other key terms with some certain species of amphibians. They only used about 18 key terms. So a thousand videos. So you can imagine like their PI in their lab, their professional lab saying, seeing them watching videos all day long. They can say, back off, man. This is for (laughs) science. Exactly. I mean- you know, you can do science on anything. And I will say, so, you know, the premise of why I have a pet amphibian, I I don't think they answered that in this paper, but they did go a little bit deeper. And they were looking at were any of these species in these videos uh, 
endangered? Are they on the you know uh, red list of endangered species? Are they legal or illegal? You know, are they part of the the illegal pet trade? Um, and so they did find some interesting things there. You know, I find this very annoying because I watch a thousand YouTube videos daily, <laughs> and I didn't write a paper about it. These people wrote. Yeah, these people well, watched a thousand videos, you know, and they got. You should like, be. I should be writing papers. Yeah, we all should be. I should be. So, so what? What? So they watched all of them amphibian videos, and and what happened next? Well, I guess that they semi answered their question. So you know, they did find that there was some illicit species, but not very many. Most of them were legal. Some of them were endangered, but still allowed to be traded. But you know, what do we all really want to know? Why would you want an amphibian as a pet, right? So. Zeng Wang would say nobody wants. Well, true, but I would argue again against that because the most common amphibian in videos was the cane toad, and that would be considered horrific. But obviously, a lot of people love amphibians. That may, perhaps might be the epitome of ugly toads. So maybe people love them because they're ugly, but still, it's an attraction. So, you know, it gets into some interesting questions about who we are as people. But So what they find in the paper? Well, so they found that there's a few key things that go on in these videos. So again, they watched them all the way through and they looked to see if the behaviors in the videos were different from wild amphibians, videos of you know amphibians out in nature. And they found that there were big differences. So usually if there's nature videos of frogs, you're seeing them moving, usually running away from you. Um, whereas the pet amphibians were most often being fed, which makes sense. So they concluded that people like feeding amphibians. And I think, you know, we kind of like feeding all of our pets. And it's true. I enjoy reactions. eating. Yeah. Your dog enjoys eating. Yeah. And sometimes we enjoy watching other people eat. So <laughs> I and, guess. And animals, you know, in a world when so many things are tearing us apart, it's good to know there's something that brings us together. We all enjoy eating. Yeah. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, some people also enjoy eating amphibians. (laughs) (laughs) It's a circle of life. I mean, it's not one of the more common things they found, but they did find a video of a Chinese giant salamander that was filmed in a Chinese kitchen. And it was being shown basically how you prepare this live animal to eat. So there you go. Well, that's not going to be one video I'm going to be uh, watching so <laughs> too much. Uh, so you know, so where does this leave us? You know, we 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 learned about these papers, learned in quotes. I don't know. We're how not. We, hey, we don't do any learning and discussion. No learning. Don't. It's like Seinfeld. No one learns. <laughs> no one grows. No, you know? we just lose five pounds in sweat. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we got to make weight for the wrestling team, and this is the way to do it. So. But, you know, we've been at least talking about how to have a computer find videos for us and, mm-hmm. and all these things about YouTube and amphibians. Like, what's the takeaway here? I don't know about for you, but to me, I feel like, you know, we we have this drive to understand what makes us tick and what we love and why we love those things. But at the end of the day, for me, it's mostly about that connection, like what makes you feel good. For me, it's cute animal videos but see i think you got it all wrong because you know my big takeaway is you know a like i want to go straight to the source to get find exciting <laughs> the exciting content for my eyeballs right away without having to search any further and i'm not looking for any toads ugly or otherwise 
I'm looking for like great content about dogs. And I wonder where I could find that. Do you know any place? Hey, well, you know, we don't need science to answer that question because I can fulfill that right now. We have our one audience member right now in the tent with us. She's fast asleep, but definitely listening to everything we're saying. And her name is Buttercup. She's a tiny chihuahua. Her entire name is Buttercup the Ocean Pup. And she has an Instagram account. Is it full of exciting content? It's exciting and adorable. And it has a message about environment, conservation, science, and a lot of other nice things. So really, it kind of ticks all the check boxes. I need to get this content to my eyeballs. Where do I find it? You go on Instagram. Okay. And you search for at Buttercup the Ocean Pup with periods in between each of the words. Oh, my God. That's it. This is so That's all cute. You need. This is all the con- I'm getting off YouTube. All I need to be looking at is this Instagram channel. This is all the content I'm ever going to need. Yeah, I mean, eventually she might go onto YouTube if she gets enough attention and demand. But for now, she likes sticking with the images. Well, that's it for episode one. Not so much because we've run out of things to say, but I think I need to go straight from here to the ER. I think that's pretty much the reason this episode needs to come to an end. I just want to say that I'm really happy we survived our first discussion depression dome. Um, and we probably need to get out of here before we sweat away our very last ounces. But thank you also to our potential audience for surviving with us, and we hope you'll listen in more. Bye, potential audience. Bye.